Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson for the recap of Stage 8 of the Tour de France 2021 brought to you by our show partner, LeCole. Now, if you want to support the podcast, there's a few things you can do. The biggest one is, I guess, supporting or subscribing rather to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast YouTube channel. If that's where you listen, if you listen on podcast players, make sure you're actually subscribed to the podcast on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to it. We're trying to get to 20,000 subs on the YouTube channel and we can't see the metrics of the supporters or followers on podcast players, but it makes a massive difference to where we sit in the charts, etc. And that's important for, you know, when we go into prospective sponsors, etc. So that's a, a free way to help the podcast. But more importantly, LaCole. They produce performance cycling apparel and they have supported this podcast since day one. If you're interested in picking up some LaCole kit during the Tour de France, you can use code LRTDF20 which will get you 20% off all LeCole items. Alejandro Valverde definitely wouldn't, you know, he needed some of that LeCole, uh, the rain jacket. I don't know what was going with his jacket situation today, losing 40 minutes in 20 kilometers. But if you're in warm conditions, LeCole just launched their lightweight collection, which can help you stay cool in summer on long rides. And it's made of breathable fabrics and lightweight materials so thanks to LeCole for supporting the podcast the first proper high mountain stage from Oyana to Le Grand Bonon 151 k's long three climbs put very close together with a short descent after the second climb so this is a hard stage especially with rolling sort of medium mountain before the first climb the climbs go six k's eight percent descent eight k sorry nine k's nine percent col de Ron. that is steep then descent then col de la colombia seven and a half k's eight and a half percent before a descent uh, into the valley, yeah, descent into the end. So we thought a break would win or had a good chance of winning because, well, why would anyone really care, like UAE or TGV, about controlling the break before the first climb, which is 100Ks in? But um, starts with a climb, 5Ks at 6.5%, and it kind of reminded me of Basque Country Stage 6, Benji, in that it just kicked off out of the neutral zone. Yeah, certainly, and it. Is basically what we said yesterday. Yesterday, the people found out that there is a weakness to the team of UAE, putting potential outsiders in the breakaway to try and get UAE to pace it back and try and reduce the strength of their team. It worked yesterday. Could it work again today? They certainly tried. We had attacks from the get-go, and some of those attacks included uh, riders that we did expect to go in the breakaway, but that did influence the back of the peloton to open up because... Uh, we saw so many people dropping. Medellin, one of the first sprinters to drop. Surprising. Uh, well, not really, I guess. In the Giro, he wasn't the best climber either when it comes to the sprinters. One of the worst ones, actually. And then we see uh, Froome dropping as well as one of the early riders. They get with Demar and so forth. Gav a bit later. So uh, we can healthily say that Cavendish is a better climber than Chris Froome at the Tour de France, which is crazy. Can I just jump in? And I know we people listening to this podcast follow cycling. They know. Um, but I think it's at this point almost offensive and counterproductive the way, say, Rick Verbrugger and, and Adams are talking in the media about Froome. It, it makes them look like a joke, what they're saying. He's yeah. literally getting dropped out of neutral by Cavendish and they're saying, well, he's improving and, and we're going to go to the welter. Like, I'm not hating on Froome. I'm just saying, why are you saying the same stuff you've been saying for a year, guys? Just accept reality and say, yeah, it's, it's shit what's happening with Froomey. You know, we're going to reevaluate in the off season or whatever, or just don't comment on it. Sorry, continue, Benji. 
Yeah, I agree with your uh, standpoints, but in the Peloton, indeed, those were the ones that were dropping off early. We saw a lot of people drop on that initial section, so we knew that a large Gropetto will form in this stage and might not come back after this first climb to the Peloton at the front. And that uh, was indeed what was happening because so many attacks followed. Let's go over over a few scenarios because we literally can't talk about every yeah, single attack. Constant. <laughs> but the most important ones were... We saw Vanad getting into breakaways quite a few times, trying to get away, UAE directly responding. Do you think that that's a smart thing? Do you consider Vanad as a GC contender or competitor that Pogacar should be afraid of at that point in the race? I think so, yeah. Particularly when, when it was going, there was still like 80Ks. If you got in a break with like 25 riders and they rode full for 80Ks before the first climbs, then... You know, it's not ideal that he gets another five or seven minute gap. So, while Vanart, yeah, I'd chase him, but they were also chasing like Michael Woods, Benji. Like, McNulty yeah. was kind of chasing everything, thrashing around. That didn't like, make sense at all. Like, you've got Woods that is not going for GC. He's uh, arguably going only for stage wins at the moment. There's a descent at the end of the stage, so he's not winning the stage anyway. And uh, you've got McNulty pacing it down. And I don't know why. Is it to try and get McNulty in the breakaway? It was a bit of a an attack chase and not directly a pace by McNulty, but I didn't get it. I feel like when you've got a leader like Pogacar, you put your team near Pogacar, you won't use a rider to try and get in the breakaway as a satellite rider for your leader if your leader is Pogacar here. So even that wouldn't make sense. So um, quite simple as that. I think that uh, that was not a clever move. I think that when it comes to Vanardi, we're on the edge. Is it dangerous? Not directly, but it could form a danger if you don't watch out. If it's Van Aert and then someone else, like a port goes in at it as well, and that break gets time, then it could potentially get and become a threat. And at that point in the race, at the climbing section with the descent afterwards, it's not that risky to try and use a rider to try and close it down quickly. Because it's not like a flat section yesterday where you have 29 riders getting away directly. That was not the case here. But we saw some other moves as well. Port and hard, like I mentioned. Richie Port trying a lot, like we mentioned yesterday, that he should try go in these breakaways, try and go in these moves. He's far enough in GC to not really be marked directly, so potentially could get in a move, and that's what he tried, but he got chased back every single time. And Can then, we also uh, mention Watt Poles, Benji? Yeah. Watt Poles, he was like, I want to just do 150k solo TT today, and he <laughs> rode like 25 seconds in front of whatever break there was at G2. Poles just rode. <laughs> if they caught him, they'd then sit up a bit. He'd just attack again. Uh, so that that was funny. But yeah, eventually a break did go, which wasn't that threatening. Well, well, well before, beforehand, I do want to talk about the fact that we saw Pogacar getting in the break as well at a certain point. Oh, true, yeah. To like neutralize it from the inside, which worked. But at that point in the race, you're like questioning whether that's a good move. Is that not risking your energy and so forth? Well, we'll know the answer in a few minutes, I guess, whether that had any influence or not. But um, at that point in the race, yeah, he was decided that um, he wanted to have some fun today. And he decided to go in the break as well, together with teammates, tried to pace a bit. But eventually, that got called back up because everybody in that group is like, make your Pogacar. Yeah, We're not going to pace. No one worked <laughs> at all. And Ineos actually got caught out. They didn't have a rider in there that they, they had to chase it back. So... Yeah, offense was definitely a good idea for Pogacar. And that, I mean, I, I just I uploaded the video late of yesterday's stage, Benji, and there was a moment where I reckon he could have closed it and he was half closing it and people lost his wheel on the flat. And um, he just sort of stopped his action, but I reckon he could have closed that break himself, which is 
kind of crazy. But yeah, a non-threatening break went from UAE's perspective. It had one satellite rider for Ineos Castro Viejo, uh, but here it was, and I guess you can say Cus for Young Bismarck, Cus Castro Viejo, Woods, Elisonde, Cataneau, Valverde, Armorel, Guillaume Martin, Petapancha, Quintana, Cranderson, Benoit, Turns, Juliansen and Yates, Izaguirre, Anau, and De La Parte. So a couple of riders with multiple teammates, for example, Cranderson uh, will be working for Benoit, Juliansen for Yates, um, and a pretty strong break, actually. I think Cataneau, not there as a satellite there to uh, win the stage, but not a break, Benji, that you should be too concerned about if you're UAE, right? Yeah, certainly. There's no rider in there that is dangerous for GC. And at that point in the race, you're thinking, well, there's no necessity for us to chase that down. And from that point onwards, they set up for a bit. And we saw some people try and bridge over. Some people failed. Some people didn't. That's how Woods got in the breakaway at the front anyway. And um, yeah, we saw basically nothing for a, for a while until we started the uh, Sasonex climb where there was an issue actually today with a, a truck like blocking the road. Why is it is a full truck going up that mountain? Like, so mate, you're the European. You explain to me. Everyone built the roads <laughs> half size here. I don't know. Like, I generally don't get it. But hey, that's not part of our analysis. <laughs> that truck got away. My dad's and... a civil engineer designing roads. So <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll ask him. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Important analysis, you know? Anyway, the truck got away. We were able to pass through that climb. And uh, on that climb itself, we saw that the way you were setting a decent pace to not have the gap open up to 15 minutes or something. So... From that point onwards, you were questioning, are they going to keep it relatively low? Oh, it's getting to six minutes now, six minutes and a half, seven minutes. It's going to be difficult for anybody in the peloton to like strike from here and win the stage eventually. And I don't think too much happened on the Sasson X climb, to be honest, if I just if mind serve It's just right. cost of pacing yeah. sort of steady. So UAE had Formula still there behind for Pagacha. Uh, not too many teammates, but I think Ineos were tired, honestly. I think they tried a lot. In the valley, a few times, particularly Gagan Hart had been very active. Thomas, do we mention Thomas and Roglic, Benji? Thomas and Roglic had been dropped yep. uh, earlier, so That's they supported their injuries again. Um, maybe we'll talk about Roglic at the end. Keep going. And I think it's pretty. This I'd be happy if I was UAE with the race situation. To be honest, the worst part was the first half. Once you get into the mountains, these are so steep. It's cold and rainy, this Pagacha territory, and, and he, just because he's better than everyone here, and you still got a couple of riders. Um, so, yeah, everyone was just hanging on, not doing anything well. And Art had spent a lot as well in that valley, so they get on to the next climb, the first proper one or longer one called the Rom, and uh, I think Wafanart starts dropping immediately. Formolo starts pacing pretty hard. We see Port dropping, Uran distance, lots of people going off the back. And eventually, Formolo stops. Port comes Undertaker back from the dead, goes to the front, starts hard pacing for a little <laughs> bit, and then Pagacha just absolutely slaps it from that group on the second last climb of the day called the Rom. I'm trying to get a kilometer marker, but it was like 32, 30 kilometers to go. He's got Carapaz who gets onto the wheel. Carapaz obviously not helping him, still sitting on the wheel, sitting on the wheel. And then Pagacha goes a second time. Carapaz cannot respond, and uh, Carapaz, uh, Pagacic goes solo. It was Jonas Wingergaard, who was I saw initially chasing from the main GC contender group, and he'd, he'd crashed before another crash for Wingergaard in the wet, so Jumbo full with crashes. But I kind of lost touch with what was happening in the breakaway, Benji, the, the 
sort of top guys that started come, you know, gone to the top? Was it like yeah. Woods, Woods went clear on Calder Rom, right? Yes, indeed. Woods went clear when we saw some people in uh in the second group trying to catch up. Quintana was also in that breakaway trying to catch up with Woods, but wasn't strong enough for that. He started sprinting for K1 points, but there were zero available. So yeah, clearly training for the intermediate sprints of the coming days. And um, after that, we saw that Woods had a gap of like 30 seconds on people. Izigiri in the second group almost threw it into a, a side street at a certain point. So good that he wasn't injured there. We had a crash in the uh, elite group at that point. Stefan the bot went down and Vingega crashed as well. Was there like is it was it stupid crash or was it like did you see it clearly? Or? I think I think they got overlapped his front wheel again and sort of skidded out or, or blocked up his brake. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, just another one. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's it's been a lot for Yumbo the other these the last few days, and they have Vanard who is well relatively doing okay still, but Vingega also relatively doing okay still, and with that crash, that's not really going to be a too amazing, you know, because we said Vingo is technically the best climber here, but Vanad is still close, so you can use him as a secondary leader. But uh, definitely not good for the team, that extra crash. But I think that when it comes to the uh, front group, we did see that Woods had riders that were trying to catch back up after his attacks. Like it turns, for example, tried to pause everybody towards the top of these climbs. But um, what was the next action that happened in the elite group? Well, it's no action, Benji. It's just Pikachu riding his pace, yep. uh, which is way quicker than everybody else, and Carapaz sort of going backwards. Um, we didn't get much. They didn't really seem to have a motorbike covering the main GC contenders, sort of Enric Mars, Uran, Wingergaard, Port group. Uh, but, yeah, Pikachu just riding his pace, Chris Calderon, uh, with a very, very healthy gap on Carapaz. Uh, I'm not sure what his gap was. It said, according to Amateur Pirelli, the Twitter account that does the climbing records, um, I think he beat, what time did he do? Like 22, yeah, I'll get up now, 26 minutes 40 for Pagacha, 27.47 for Carapaz. So he did a minute 47 ahead of Carapaz in like four or five Ks. So I think eight seconds quicker than the Schlecks and Contador record in 2009. And then there's a short-ish descent, and then they do the colder de Colombia straight after. So there's not much time to refuel and get get energy back into your body. It seemed like Woods had gone a bit too early, Benji, because Turns sort of rode his yeah. own pace, rode it back, and we just saw Woods had a big gap, like a minute plus. And Izaguirre and and Turns were just coming back to him. Turns went past Izaguirre, and eventually even dropped. Uh, Woods on the climb. I thought, okay, if he can, yeah. if he's ten, if he's ten seconds behind Woods on the crest, Woods had already crashed like in the first ten k's of the day on a wet descent. He can catch him on a descent, no problem. But um, he went past him on the climb, and the only question then, Benji, was is Pagacha going to catch him? He was like five minutes behind Woods, then four minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes behind turns, one minute, and uh, eventually, yeah, turns starts the descent. Pagacha absolutely. I mean, there's not much analysis to say, really, on Colombia. Destroyed the climb. I don't know the climbing times uh, yet, but he put, I think he was like 3.30 ahead of, or 3.21 ahead of Carapaz on the summit of Colombia. And, but he hadn't caught turns. And then he was like 20 seconds, 25 seconds behind. So the question was, I mean, what's the, if you're his DS Benji Pagacha, what are you telling him on the crest of Colombia before that descent? Take it safely. Don't try and catch Dylan Turns because. Well, first of all, if you uh, try and catch him, you might crash, which is not great. And next to that, you might be able to save some energy that you might need in the coming days. And it's not necessary to take away 
a victory like uh, Roglic did with Mader, for example. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> um, I think that um, Orgy just had to play it safely from that point onwards. He didn't need to go for the stage win, and he doesn't need that. He got what he came for, the five seconds bonus that he got at the top of the Col de la Colombière, the only goal he had today. And... Um, yeah, from that point onwards, we saw that Turns' gap was expanding and expanding and expanding towards the bottom and towards the finish line. And if Turns didn't crash from that point onwards, it was going to be Turns that wins today. In the second group, we saw that Izagiri came, came back from the dead when the uh, descent, because we know that he likes wet descents, except for the one time in the stage that he didn't like wet descents today. <laughs> and um, yeah, Dylan Turns striving to his second Tour de France victory. Very nice for Belgium. I was hoping in the last descent that Indeed, Pogacar would take it say, safely in the descent so that we could get one for the Belgians, but uh, we indeed got that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and Turns has had a bit of an up-and-down last couple of years. I mean, he he's, he's won a fair few GC races, like Race of Norway, Wallonie, Polonia. Uh, he's won that first stage of the Tour de France you mentioned, Benji, was back in 2019, so not that long ago. He just hasn't had didn't have a great 2020 uh and that was on planche de belfi stage six mountaintop finish ahead of chicane from the break so good to see him back in form he was railing that descent i was worried benji when i saw woods on his Aguirre's wheel on the descent i was yeah. worried i was worried for his life but thankfully he kept it up they caught up to pagacha which was kind of proof that pagacha was taking it easy i think he he lost like 20 seconds to turns on the descent very very quickly and um but yeah, he, he was still quicker, I think, than the GC group behind, who had all come together. Carapaz had had Castroviejo wait up for him from the break and pull at the base of Colombia, but he got caught by that GC group. Uh, so yeah, Izaguirre, Woods, Pagacha, Rod to the finish together. Izaguirre and Woods taking the bonus seconds from Pagacha. I was kind of surprised that um, <laughs> they sprinted yeah. for it. But <laughs> anyway, they did. Here's the full stage results. Turns. 44 seconds ahead of Izaguirre, 47 and 49 seconds ahead of Woods and Pagacha. Then on 233 poles and 243 Yates, Patapantra, Martin, Casaneo. And then first of the GC guys, Jonas Wingerold at 409 in a group of Luchenko, Mars Carapaz, Uran, Godu, Bilbao, Kelderman, and Ben O'Connor. Uh, so Pagacha finished three minutes and 20 seconds ahead of that group. And then Wafanat, he had to ride solo for like 35 kilometers, finished at 5.45, only a minute 40. Or, yeah, behind uh, the uh, Jonas Wingergaard group. So really impressive from Wafanat, but nowhere near enough to keep the yellow jersey. The revised GC standings are Pagacha, a minute 48 ahead of Van Aert, 4.38 ahead of Lutschenko, 4.46 ahead of Uran, Five minutes on Carapaz, on Wingergaard and Carapaz, 5.13 on Kelderman, then Masguru, Bilbao round out the uh, the top 10. So just a, probably the craziest performance I've ever seen uh, by Pagacha today. Just uh, attack is the best form of defense. And yeah, did you think he could do this, Benji? Honestly, I, um, I expected it on one of the mountain stages. I didn't expect it today yet. I, uh, I expected today to be a, uh perhaps a bit closer together, but I was uh, thinking perhaps on a Von 2 stage, stuff like that, that he would uh, do exactly this. I didn't see any competition for him in the last couple of days, and I thought the only way to uh, beat him was tactically, and that didn't work today. And with a gap like that, it's going to be very difficult to find a tactic to uh, strike back against Pogacar. Is the Tour over? In my eyes, the Tour is never over, because uh, I thought a lot of times that the Tour is over, and then it wasn't. But he's certainly in a in a very comfortable position right now. And 
he should probably play it relatively safe, which is bad for the entertainment value. I don't know if he can. doesn't seem to be the sort of rider he is. I couldn't believe today, like he, yeah, he just wanted to put the tour to bed, I guess. Um, yeah, crazy performance from Pogaccia. And I know, yeah, Roglic sort of crashed early on. Maybe it would, if Roglic was there and say Roglic is on his wheel, then Pogaccia doesn't ride full and then the gaps aren't as big. Um, but I guess some, the way the, the tour has worked, he saw Car- He said in the race after, in the interview afterwards, Pogaccia, that um, he saw Ineos didn't have the legs. He thought they were tired after yesterday's effort from Carapaz and he, he'd attacked them. Uh, but I, don't, I think Carapaz attacking yesterday, <laughs> I don't think would have changed whether he could hold Pogaccia's wheel because yeah. a, a gap of 320 over Colombier is just it's a huge gap, huge difference in, le- in level. And uh, I pretty much think the tour is over unless... I've not yeah. enough. I think Unless he crashes. there is a strategy that works. Bahrain <laughs> can have a strategy that works. They call what? up Mark Padun, yeah, they disguise him as Wild Bulls. <laughs> it's going to be difficult to disguise him as Wild Bulls. Just like smash him a bit so he's flatter <laughs> and longer and uh, put him on a bicycle and pretend it's Wild Bulls. Or at least the closest rider in GC and then put Mark Padun against Tadej Pogacar for the rest of the Sturda France. And I think that's a perfect strategy to, uh, to beat him right now. Joking aside, I think that um, he did a wonderful performance today. Incredible, like, genuinely. And uh, Wout van Aert as well. The way he held up after the elite group, because the group of Vingegaard was in front of van Aert going into uh, the top of the Colombier. And the way he held that gap and was not collapsing is also an insane performance. Genuinely insane. 1 minute 48 down in GC. If he keeps up this climbing level, he can definitely top 10 the tour. I think it's going to be difficult to uh, to podium it. I think that Vingegaard is still the best option for Jumbo as their leader here. Depending on what the crash did today, he didn't look too worried about the crash, just his shoulder was a bit open. Um, so um, I'm very curious what's going to be the podium after this. Like looking at the top 10, it's insane to think who can get a second or third in this race as well because Lutsenko is up there on third right now. Willie Hall, Duran is on fourth, man of consistency. He'll keep doing that, trying to keep consistent on every single mountain stage. Probably not collapse at any point. Kelderman is still there as well. 13 seconds load. Enric Maz is still there. Alaphilippe's yeah. gone, by yeah. the way. 18 minutes lost today. Yeah, Valverde was... lost, uh, lost 33, <laughs> but I didn't count him as a GC rider anymore. He finished together with Cavendish today. In time, by the way. So Wait, wanted did to he? give that in. Everybody finished He finished time. with Cavendish. He, he had so, it cold, and we know <laughs> that. Valverde was in the, the uh, break initially, so he must have legit stopped pedaling. <laughs> yeah, well, um, they said it in that Netflix series, spoilers. There was one clip where they said, there's some routine, and that, that's certainly true. <laughs> Before I do the preview of tomorrow's stage, I guess, read the elephant in the room. Um, uh, you know, Pagash's performance, it seems to be dominating, like, the Reddit threads, the separate threads about it, hundreds of comments, all the Twitter innuendo, and... Um, yeah, even journalists, I assume, now might be questioning things with anonymous quotes from people. I guess we can't really profess a view on it. People listen to this podcast and we've got no inside knowledge of anything. So we've got to just watch what we're watching and recap the stage. And um, if you've got a view on generally whether people like his managers, etc., whether the rules should permit you know them to continue managing teams then maybe that's a discussion for the off season but yeah we can't really say anything more about it 
But yeah, stage nine tomorrow to finishing in Tinya, another, uh, well, it's a mountaintop finish, the first proper mountaintop finish, 144K, 145K is long, one cat one, oh, sorry, one cat two, an HC climb and two cat ones. The Col de Sais is two, nine Ks at 6%. There's a 2.6K, 8.8% climb before that, and then there's an intermediate sprint afterwards. Then descent, then Col du Pre, 125 goes 8%. We saw that in Dauphiné, and then the Rosalon combo straight after. Then a descent, 15K Valley, and then the long climb to Tinia, 20.8Ks at 5.5%. To be honest, Benji, if you pick Gacha, you just defend, right? You just take tomorrow off, let the break go, and um, let the other guys scrap for the podium. Oh, that's yeah. what I would do. Yeah, but I still think that you're going to have to control it at some point at the start people are gonna try and attack like you know that's gonna happen if a large breakaway goes that's your weakness and they are gonna look at who is going to be in the breakaway richie ford is gonna try and go in the breakaway riders like that and they're gonna keep trying that i think that some people might already start looking at uh protecting their podium and with a gap like today in gc i kind of can't blame them because I think that consistency is their best chance at a podium right now because people keep falling out of the podium left and right. And, yeah, at this point, it wouldn't oh, surprise they, me. They if, can't beat Pogacar, yeah. like, straight yeah. up on performance. So, obviously, like, yeah, if you're Lushenko, GC, like, podium at the Tour is, is a huge result. You have no chance of beating Pogacar. Yeah. The only Tomorrow way you well. beat him is if he crashes out. And if he crashes out, well, then you know, he's scrubbed off the board, so you may as well be where you are and just fight against the other guys. The there. only the only rider that I see in this peloton that is willing to risk it all, or well, not risk it all, but risk a lot to try and win is still El Hagwad. Like, yeah. he's an, an attacking rider. His team is going to try and win the Tour de France. They're going to try something. They've tried a lot of some things in the past. And I think it's not going to be easy, but I think that's the one we need to look at, at as the... Uh, the one competitor that I see coming close in having a tactic that could strike Pogacar somewhere. Right, so who's winning from the break tomorrow? Quintana wanted to win today, but he got dropped. I think tomorrow suits Woods, in my view, Benji, more than today because today had the descent finish. Yep, as well. What do you think about uh, Dan Martin as well for the stage like that? True. Well, he's, been an- uh, he's been anonymous. Yeah, he, he said that. His tour has been very boring so far, and his race starts in the Alps. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think that the descents of the Comédie de Rosolon and so forth don't strike me as the most technical ones. Then again, I didn't check them, didn't write them, so don't trust my word on that at all. So I dare to say that that would be ideal. But the problem here is that even if he's near the front at the top of these climbs, he might lose half a minute in the descent of each of these climbs, and that's what troubles here. He might be better off trying to go for a stage within the stage like Col de Porter or something. That's the problem. Because a lot of people will attack here. People attack on every climb to try and get a bit of a gap before the next climb. Happens every time. Happened today on both climbs before the Col de la Colombière. That people attacked at the top to try and get an advantage for the next climb. And it's going to happen here. And he's not going to be the rider that can get ahead on the descents. He needs to get ahead on the climbs and try and hang on on the descents. And last year we had that one stage that I think we had Kowski won in the end with Carapaza just hugging him over the line. And um, I swear I remember that Martin at some of those climbs or one of those climbs was at the front of the race. 
And by the time we hit the bottom of that climb, it was in the peloton. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's going to be very difficult for him, but he's a name that I keep in mind. But I'm mainly looking at like, oh, Astana. Like I want to see Astana do more because they tried a lot today. When I saw the weather today, I was like, Izagiri time. It's Izagiri time. At the start of the race, I said, Izagiri might win today's stage. He tried, but no, came too they, short. They Two days Luchenko. in a row, it's going to be difficult. Fulsang? Yeah, yeah, you're right about Lutsenko, though. I guess Fulsang really wouldn't close ride for him, though. Fulsang probably won't ride for Lutsenko too much. I, I think Esteban Chavez on 1250 on GC. Chavez climbing really well, but is, is he far enough behind the podium guys to be happy with him in a break? Mm -hmm. Again, Ben O'Connor is not far enough behind for Movistar and uh, EF to be happy with him getting 10 minutes in a break. So O'Connor looks like he's going for top 10 on GC. Pardon? Yo, Martin. Yeah, of course. He'll try. Quentin Pacher as well will try. Miguel Angel Lopez is on 26 minutes. If he's in any form, he can, of course, win this stage from the break. Uh, but he's a bit, he's been banged up as well. Nibali, Benji? Nah, he's not good enough at climbing at the moment. Oh, surprised you said that. No, um, like, you have to be, like, I find when it comes to being a fan of a rider, you can be <laughs> a, a fan of a rider. I mean, the hell out of being a fan of, of Nibali, but. Gotta be rational as well. He's not good enough, and if he goes with the current form to the Olympics, he's gonna get fucked. So, <laughs> I I don't believe that he's the best Italian on the star list, even for the uh, Olympics. And I feel like I'm still Chicago. a hardcore fan throughout the losses here and throughout stuff like that. I'm happy that we've seen him a lot this first week. I'm really happy about that, but I shouldn't be blinded by loyalty. I think uh, if the GC group goes to you know, Tinya first, Pagacha will win easily. Um, so, yeah, that's what, that's what will happen tomorrow. Hopefully it's a big break and maybe we see some podium battles as well. The, the question I wanted to circle back to, Benji, was Roglic and Thomas finishing in the group Petto. I would personally, if you're paying, I don't know how many millions you're paying, Yumba Visma, you're paying Roglic and, you know, he's your best GC rider, second best question rider in the world. Surely you're thinking about sending him home, right? Yeah, and there's more to that. Like, we're questioning whether he should be sent home. I think perhaps yes. Like, in current form, he doesn't strike me as being able to help too much. Perhaps in the third week. Depends on what he wants. I've heard they were going to decide on Monday on the rest day. So perhaps that's a good thing to do. But another day in the mountains, uh, again, finishing Gruppetto most likely tomorrow. I'm not sure that's too healthy, but I'm not a doctor, so I can't say that. But an extra question arises. What happens if Pogacar keeps this up? What happens if Pogacar keeps this up and wins this Tour de France? Like a pure dominant performance. Then next year, what are you going to have? Are you going to have people trying to go for the Giro and the Velta, the one that Pogacar is not at, just trying to avoid him at all costs? Because he's going to the Velta as well this year. Um, I don't know. I think you still go to the Tour because we're seeing now though, if you do that, Benji, what if Lander's here and he's missing out on a Grand uh, Tour de France podium? Like, yep. there's still second or third of the Tour de France is serious performance. The podium is most open in years, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like people like Lutsenko, genuine chance for the podium. Kelderman and and Mars as well. So even Gudu is like on within a minute of all those guys. So yeah, I think I, I wouldn't personally. I think it's showing this year that people crash out. Rolic, you know, was. 1A, 1B favorite before this tour started and he's crashed out. Now the podium's super open. Ineos looking weak because 
they've tried their best. They crash a lot, and they've tried their best to attack Pagacha. Uh, if you're Ineos Benji, do you give up attacking Pagacha on a mountain stage because you're just going to get burned? Like, do you think Ineos they're not going to pace tenure tomorrow? To like that would just be suicide. I think that what you try and do is protect him, protect Carapaz, try and go for a solid, safe position of Carapaz at the moment. And go in the breakaway with someone, taking hot, let him go for a stage. You've got something out of this tour next to a, a podium if you end this. And he looks later good. on, you can still fight back. So you can still try and fight back if you've got a stage in your pocket. And Kagan Hart's looking decent, tried a few times today, stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think that Ineos could, uh, could try and have multiple goals here. We saw the same with Yumbo right now today, that Kaz was trying to go for K1 points at a certain point. Oh, was he? Yeah, 1K one point, he decided to move forward and started sprinting at somebody, but then he got wrecked in the last second. I'm not sure about that. I think Vingegaard deserves support, and they don't have a lot of riders to do so, so because it's going to need to be top level to help Vingegaard secure a podium here. And I think that if they do, then he can podium. And yesterday I was very skeptical about it, but today he confirmed in the mountains that he's definitely the leader that Jumbo has right now next to Van Aert as co-leader, but not a better leader. So Vingega is a rider that I see uh, surprising a lot of people and finishing on the podium here of the Tour de France if they actually support him. And that's what I saw today with them not having him go back to Van Aert to try and keep him in yellow, for example, which would have been such a stupid tactic if they did that, and they didn't, so that's great. So, uh, yeah, that's the end of our Stage 8 recap. Another uh, pretty surreal stage of the Tour de France. Uh, I guess people might think the competitive tension is out of the race. I guess I agree with you a little bit in respect to the GC. Uh, but if there's one thing that's happened in this tour I've learned so far is it's one of the craziest Tour de France I've seen uh, yeah. in recent years. So I'm expecting it to still be that way. can't wait to see what happens tomorrow. But until then, ciao.